I hope that as we sing those songs of thankfulness, um, that it, it prepares our heart for the scripture this morning, and it prepares us for the week ahead of us. Sometimes Thanksgiving holidays can be some of the best times that we've ever had, and sometimes they can be extremely difficult to get through. Sometimes due to life situations, um, loss of loved ones, many, many reasons, holidays can be difficult. And so I want to make sure that we're uh, on the same page here in knowing that when the Bible tells us to be thankful, when the Bible uh, encourages us to be grateful for what the blessings that God has given us, it's not dependent on our circumstances. Now, I'm not saying, oh, let's get over what we're going through and just be thankful, because that's easier said than done, right? What I'm saying is, is that God is with us, and God will help us to be thankful even in the midst of seasons when, when it's difficult to do so. Uh, the sermon this morning is called, Thankfulness Flows from Contentment, and then you can see in parentheses I've got, or vice versa, because the more I thought about this, I'm not sure which comes first, and maybe it, maybe it can be both. Maybe it's different um, in different situations, but uh, if we're content in life with what God has given us, the blessings he has given us, if we're content, then we're going to be thankful, right? Thankfulness will flow out of that. But also, I've seen times in my life when I was not so content, and to count my blessings and to think about how thankful I am, to be thankful led to my contentment. And so I say thankfulness flows from contentment, but I think contentment can flow from thankfulness also. And so whichever situation you find yourself in, whether you're here this morning and you are content and excited and happy about where God has you and what life it has in store, uh, or whether you're here this morning and you're in a difficult season, and this is a difficult week, this is a difficult time. Um, wherever life finds you, wherever you happen to be, I believe that one of these statements is true. If you're content, then thankfulness should flow from your content, contentment. If you're not content, if you're struggling, then be thankful. Because maybe contentment will come from your thankfulness. And we need to be aware of all the blessings that God has given us in life. Now, uh, before we get into the scripture, which is going to be Hebrews 13, 1 through 6 this morning, I will say that earlier this year, um, I was going through a, a really difficult season and um, just really just battling some depression and battling just some, uh, just wrestling a lot internally with some things. And... I can remember going to Rose and Rose giving, like, the right advice, like, saying the right thing. Like, when she was saying it, I knew what she was saying was, what she was saying was true, but I also was just like, stop talking. Uh, I didn't tell her that as evidence of me standing here today before you, but, but just her advice was hurtful. Because sometimes the truth is hurtful. Her advice was what I needed to hear, but it was not what I wanted to hear. And so when we look at, the, that, at this passage this morning, I'm not 
coming to this passage and saying, uh, be thankful no matter what's going on in your life, the end. I'm coming to you saying, be thankful no matter what's going on in your life, even though that can be extremely difficult. And I know firsthand how uh, tempted we are toward despair or toward hopelessness. And when we find ourselves in those situations, I think that taking an evaluation of what we do have and how God has blessed us and how he has been faithful can be helpful. Now, I also want to say that I believe that there are times in our life when we face situations like that where if we're trying to get through something like that alone, it can be dangerous. And we need to seek help. We need to seek help sometimes from family and friends and loved ones in our life that are close to us, that are there willing to help, but just don't know um, how to offer that help or how to let you know that they are there. Uh, But then there are times when we need to see someone who, that's their job. They have experience in that. They know how to counsel us in in times like that, when we need to to hear the right thing in that moment. And I, I believe just as I'm so grateful that God has provided us incredible doctors uh, to help us get through physical ailments and things like that, that he has provided counselors and people who can help us in times of need in other situations. And so I want to say before I even begin to preach my sermon, that if you're here this morning and you are struggling during these holiday seasons, uh, then please reach out to someone for help. You have so many people in this room right now who love you and who would love to talk to you and hang out with you, they just don't know how to initiate that. They just aren't sure how to let you know, hey, I'm, I'm here and I would love to talk if you want to talk. There are people in here who are willing, they just don't know how to do that. And so I want to encourage you to take ownership of your health, of your mental health, and if you know you need help, then don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid... First, reach out to a friend, reach out to a loved one, um, and then if needed, reach out to someone else that, that it's their profession to help at times like that. They're trained in that, and, and they, they can um, know some things, some processes to go through that will help you. Okay, with that said, I want us to turn to Hebrews, and in Hebrews 13, this is the epilogue, this is it, this is the end of the letter, right? So we're skipping straight to the end, uh, but I want you to know that Hebrews is a book that is written primarily to show that Jesus is superior to all. And he's superior to, like in the old days, God used to speak through angels and things like that. We see in Hebrews chapter 1, but now he speaks through his son. And and then we see how he, yeah, Moses was a great prophet, um, but you know who's even better? Jesus. And the law, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was a, it was a good babysitter to get us where we needed to go. But it never saved us. It never it gave us a way to salvation. It only showed us that we could not be perfect, that we couldn't keep God's rules, and that we fall short. And therefore, we need someone to rescue us from the, our inability to keep God's rules. And that person is Jesus. So we see all of this in Hebrews. And then in chapter 11... The author of Hebrews begins to tell tell us about these people of great faith, these people who put their faith in God, put their faith in the Messiah who was to come, um, and they 
lots of them gave their lives uh, for the, just for their love for God and their, their desire to follow him, um, they came into some persecution. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, we transitioned from that faith chapter about the, the people who had faith to Jesus being the founder and perfecter of our faith. And we see in Hebrews chapter 12 that we're not to grow weary. And you don't tell someone who's having a great time and not experiencing any problems not to grow weary, right? He's encouraging them to not grow weary because they are going through some stuff that might produce some exhaustion. It might produce some hopelessness and some of those things we were talking about earlier. They're going through some trials. And then he reminds them that they will be inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That what is coming to them at the end of of Hebrews chapter 12, he mentions that what is coming to them is something that is established by a God who is above all. A God who is all-powerful. A consuming fire, the author of Hebrews calls him. And so then we get in, I mean, immediately after that, we get into Hebrews chapter 13. And in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, he's going to give some information about how these people can obey God, what acceptable worship is and sacrifice is, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of things not going well, how should we act? What should our lives look like? And I think that even in the midst of us looking at how we should act, there are some some principles and truths here that can help us with our thankfulness and our gratitude even when things might not be going well. Because he's telling these people who are in the midst of a season where things are difficult, as it was for most uh, first century Christians, uh, he is telling them some things that need to happen. So what, what, what would he tell them? Well, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. So the, what we need to do in the midst of our trials is keep on loving people. This is the, where we get our word Philadelphia, the Greek word philos, Philadelphia. Um, let brotherly love continue. And that's one of the things that we need to do. How many of you have ever had a stressful day and someone has just said the wrong thing on that stressful day and brotherly love might have ceased for a moment. Am I the only one? Okay, all right, a few of you. Okay, good. We have to be intentional about allowing brotherly love to continue in the middle of difficult seasons, in the middle of trials. Um, Rose and I, you know, uh, 14 years we've been married, right? 14. And because uh, it only feels like two because it's been so amazing. That was me making up for having to check about if it was 14 years or not. Uh, but anyway, uh, 14 years we've been married, and so now uh, we have these looks. We can just look at one another, and I can know by the look on Rose's face uh, that I need to be nicer to the person I'm talking to or I need to stop talking or whatever the case might be. And I have those looks, you know, for Rose also. And so uh, it helps when you have friends, family, 
who can help guide you through letting your brotherly love continue. And so it's good to, to be in a church family of people who can check on you when things aren't going well. What's going on? Now, I'm not saying that they don't need to be patient with you or with me when we were going through seasons like that. We do need to be patient with one another. Um, sometimes we were going through seasons that, you know, it's just a bad day. We'll be fine at the end of the day. And other times we're going through bad seasons where it's a bad month. And sometimes it's a bad year or longer. And we have to be there for one another. We have to love one another. We have to let brotherly love continue. And our actions prove our love. If, if, we, if we truly love, then we're going to show that with our actions. So let brotherly love continue. Verse 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And I'm going to pause there at the comma. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. During this time, when this was written, hospitality was crucial. Because when people traveled, they needed a place to stay. And so people would open their homes to one another. And there are still cultures and places on earth today where this is true, where, where this is normal. And, I, and I'll say that um, Rose and I, we love having people in our home. We love um, getting to host people. And, we, and I, I've been told by people that, that when we have them over, that that's the first time they've been in somebody else's house in a long time. That's because hospitality is lacking today. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to know that hospitality is something that we're commanded to do. And we're commanded not to neglect it. And so, yeah, it's something that Rose and I are passionate about. And it's Rose's gift and all of that. And so, of course, we're doing it. But all of us, is something all of us should be trying to do. And now hospitality looks different for different people. But we need to make sure that we are being hospitable. And in the, the context here, in the, the very definition of the word hospitality, it means you are welcoming people into your life, into your space. And so you're being a welcoming person. And so are you like that? Are you like that at work? Are you like that in your office? Are you like that at home? Are you like that in your hobbies? Are you like that in the line at Walmart? Are we making sure that we're being hospitable people? Some of you gave me a weird look at the Walmart line. I don't know what's going on in Walmart. But uh, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. In the Old Testament, we see examples of times when these men show up to have discussions with people, but they're not men at all. They're angels. And so he's saying here that we never know in our lives when we're choosing to show love or neglecting, neglecting to show love, when we're choosing to show hospitality or neglecting to show hospitality, uh, when we're doing that to a messenger of God or not. I mean, think about what Jesus said when he said that what you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And so we, as followers of Jesus, have to make sure that we're not neglecting to show hospitality to strangers, that we're not neglecting to let brotherly love continue. So those that you're familiar with, 
let that love continue. Those you're not familiar with, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And so, um, continuing in verse 3. Remember those who are in prison. Now, during this time, a lot of Christians were in prison. A lot of Christians who, let me rephrase, were in prison for sharing the gospel. A lot of Christians were in prison for doing what God had called them to do. However, this is not just, this isn't specifying that we're to only remember those who are in prison for doing the right thing. We're to remember those who are in prison for doing the wrong thing. When we choose that form of punishment and we have separated people from society, it's important to know that not all people who are in prison are actually guilty. How many times do we see false convictions? How many times do we see people who were convicted of a crime and years later DNA or something else exonerates them? And so we need... For the sake of the innocent, we need to make sure that we are not neglecting prisoners, that we're remembering those who are in prison. Remembering will be prayers, right? But also remembering and helping meet needs. And, you know, uh, Rose and I have lived in places where there were prisons close by where it was easy to spend time in prisons. And then, of course, um, some places are more difficult to do that. But we're to remember those who are in prison. Uh, we, we want to see God help those people. I've, I've spent some time inside of some facilities, and I can tell you that you don't want to be in those facilities. They're, they're terrible. The things that happen to people, whether they're innocent or guilty, in our prison system, in, in our country, isn't good. Now, sometimes there are, you, know, you hear the stories of lavish living inside of prisons, but that's not the norm. The norm is, is that drugs are everywhere, that people who were put in prison for drugs, they're not escaping that. It's, it's all around them. Um, people, there's abuse that takes place in prison because while there are some great prison guards, there have been lots of studies shown and then time has tested this theory that when you are in a, in a system like a prison system and you're given power, that power corrupts, and a lot of times, not always, there are some incredible prison guards out there, but a lot of times we see corruption within the prison system, and so if there's no accountability from the outside, if we're not in there loving people and showing love, if we're not remembering those prisoners, then nothing is going to improve in their lives. They're not going to be rehabilitated. When they get out and they're released into society, they're going to be worse than when they went in there before. And so even for common sense purposes, we're to remember those who are in prison. We are to love those people. Now, if there's someone in our church family or if there's someone in our uh, actual family, then we're definitely not to forget those people. We're definitely called to remember those people. But even when it's outside, we're to remember those. Um, you know, I, I'll just say this briefly. With our juvenile detention center here, We've had a lot of problems, and I've been praying a lot about what can we do as a church? What can I do as an individual to help? Uh, is there anything we can do to help? And so I think this, those are some things that we need to investigate. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. That adds to <laughs> the remembering, doesn't it? 
Because if you were in prison with them, would you forget that you're in prison? No. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Some people say this is the church body. Some people say this is just society body. Whatever it is, the, the point is made that we are to remember them because it could be us. And there's a lot behind that that we don't have to get in, don't have time to get into today. But number verse four, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So, in talking about how to live a right uh, life, how to live a life that is honoring to God, that is acceptable worship to Him, then we need to see that we're to be faithful to those who we are with. And I'm going to come back to this verse. I'm not skipping this verse, but I do believe that this is tied to something more. And so I do want to move on, and we'll come back to this uh, verse 4. Verse 5, keep your life free from love of money. Now, it doesn't say keep your life free from money because you have to pay your bills, right? Money in in and of itself is not bad, but you know it is bad, and is mentioned more than once in the Bible as being bad. Love of money. Keep your life free from love of money. Keep your life free from love of money. And this goes back. If we love money, are we going to let brotherly love continue as it should? If we love money more than others? No, we can only serve one God, right? Jesus says. And so one thing's going to win out. And oftentimes what we see for people who are greedy, who have a love of money, is that they themselves getting more money is what wins out. And so keep your life free from love of money. And then look at this. And be content with what you have. This is very, a very difficult thing for some of us to do. And we all have different struggles. We all have different temptations. Some of you, when it comes to verse 3, Remembering those who are in prison, man, that's, that's hard to do. That's a, that's a struggle. Uh, let brotherly love continue in verse 1. That's hard to do. Not, not, being, uh, not to neglect hospitality, that's difficult. Uh, letting marriage be held in honor, that can be difficult. Um, and for some of us, a love of money is, is what hinders us. And, and we see this a lot. This is very common in our society because of the fact that we live in a very consumeristic, materialistic society. Now, there are some good things that come from the society that we live in and getting to live in a capitalistic society, but then one of the downsides of that is is that a great temptation is greed. I mean, if you look at commercials, what are commercials? But, hey, you need this thing. This thing that you don't have, you need it. Go buy it, and you won't be happy until you have it. Some commercials, man, they just, I just want to know who it is that, that actually is encouraged to buy something from that commercial. Like, buying a certain beer is really going to let you be surrounded by beautiful women and uh, ice cover, snow-covered mountains and, you know, I mean, but that's, that's, the, that's what is being sold. And I'm sorry if I just broke some of your hearts and your dreams um, that those commercials aren't real. But the thing is, is that we have to keep our lives free from love of money and 
we have to be content with what you have. Now, let me say this. As I've gotten older, one of the things that I'm most grateful for that God has changed in my heart is that he has given me greater contentment in him. Because being content in God and being content with what you have, it makes so many other problems go away. You, you don't need, you don't get yourself into debt because you, you want to keep up with the Joneses or because you need this new thing or this nice thing. You are able to be hospitable to others because you can spend your money on them rather than needing it for yourself. There's so many good things that come with being content with what you have. You know, I said I would go back to verse 4. You don't need to look outside of your marriage for excitement or joy because you're content with the spouse that God has given you. And if you're not content, then seek help. Talk to a friend. Talk to a counselor, as we talked about earlier. If you're struggling with, with, with greed, get people to pray for you. Get people to hold you accountable. Practice self-discipline and self-denial. When you want something, don't buy it. One of the things that helped me is just some, some simple advice from a friend a long time ago. He, he was talking about when he purchased things online. And he said, if it wasn't a necessity, he would put it in his cart and he would see if he even still wanted it two weeks later. And I, even little things like that can help. But then fasting, right? When we choose not to eat a meal or more than one meal, when we with when we refrain from, from eating uh, for the sake of denying ourselves something that we desire and need, right? It, to turn our attention, not just to be mean to ourselves, but to turn our attention to God. Every time we're hungry, we can think on God. Every time our stomach growls, it's a reminder to pray and be thankful for what we have or to pray for this thing that we're trying to see happen, you know, in our lives or whatever reason why we're fasting. Well, I would say that I think it's healthy for us sometimes, at times, to refrain from eating food. And so, I mean, to refrain from buying things and being a part of that. So keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why can we be content with what we have? Because we have Jesus. That's the ultimate reason. If we have God and we trust him, then isn't he giving us what we need? Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, in verse 6, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So no matter, regardless of your situation, we can be content because we have God. No matter how much money we do or don't have, we can be content because we have God. No matter how healthy or unhealthy your marriage is, we can be content because we have God. Whether we're in prison or out of prison or someone we love is in prison or out of prison, we need to remember them and we can be content because we have God. The reason we can be hospitable with whatever it is that we do have is because we have God and we know that he has given us whatever we need to be hospitable. How do we know that? Because he's called us to be hospitable, and he's not going to call us to do something that by his power and by the gifts that he has given us, we can't accomplish. And so we can be hospitable because we have God, and we can let brotherly love continue because we have God. 
We need to be more thankful for what we do have rather than always looking for what we don't have. And that is something that's very clear here in these first six verses of Hebrews. And I want to say that during this Thanksgiving season, first of all, if we are going through something tough and we need a friend, reach out. Too often, we wait for someone to reach out to us. And I know that's like romantic, and that's how that would be the ideal way of that happening. But that's just not reality for most of us. I cannot tell you how many times I've needed someone. I needed someone to call me. I needed it. And at the end of the day, it hadn't happened. That's why we have to be the ones to make sure we are taking care of of our health needs. If we need help, we have to reach out. We have to be the ones that call a friend. Because it's not that they don't love us or they don't care for us. It's just that we all have so much going on. We all have so many people in our lives. We all aren't the greatest friends. So we have to be responsible to reach out. So if you need help, please, during this holiday season, reach out to a friend. And also, for all of us, let's try to be content. Let's strive to be hospitable and let brotherly love continue and do all these things that we've talked about. So look for opportunities. You might need to go home and spend some more time with these six verses. And, and let's look for opportunities to be content. I've got a video here that we're going to see if it plays. All right, so we haven't even entered a Thanksgiving meal yet, and I'm showing you a Christmas video. But here's the point, is that Thanksgiving, Christmas, I think that sometimes the reason we don't enjoy it is because we're not content with what we already have. I know as a child, I can remember being it's like mad, and it ruined my whole Christmas because I didn't get the toy I wanted, right? Let's be content with what we have. Let's not, let's not have that attitude. Um, this morning, we're not going to have our invitation, okay? Uh, I'm just making an executive decision here. But what I want us to do is I want us to continue to think about these things. And when we go eat our meal together, when we're sitting around the table, um, I want you to discuss what you have to be thankful for in your life, okay? So... You could discuss other things, too, but discuss around the table what do you have to be thankful for. And then going into this holiday season, um, you know, Cousin Merle and all those people. I'm sorry if you actually have a Cousin Merle. I was trying to think of a name that might not be so common. But uh, those people in your family that you might have a difficult time dealing with, let brotherly love continue, okay? Hold your mouth. Hold your tongue. uh, Love them. Be there for them. Um, Just enjoy the time with your family. And as we move into the Christmas season, and we'll begin to talk about that a little more next week, uh, let's make sure that we're remembering that we have Jesus, right? That's how we, why we can be content. And, of course, I mean, look at that video. How much do we have to be thankful for every day when we wake up and get out of bed? We have so many things to be thankful for. So let's try to encourage one another to remember those things. And, it, and I'll say it one more time. If you need help, please reach out. Um, All right, let's pray, and I'm going to, as we pray, we're going to pray and dismiss, but I'm also going to bless the food so that when we go over, you guys can go ahead and get in line, and when the people in charge of the food over there tell you it's okay to go through, then go through, but I wouldn't go through earlier, you might lose a finger, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you, and I just pray that you would bless us and that you would help us to be content with what we have.
that ultimately we would find our uh, contentment in you and that whatever you give us, that, Lord, we will be grateful for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.